Hey y'all, welcome back. We are so excited to have you with us today. Today's episode is going to be a mix-up, a mash-up of some of our previous guests. I have taken some of the best advice that we have been given and mixed them together. Now, this doesn't include all of our guests because we absolutely love all of them and they all had solid advice. But today we're just highlighting Marissa from King's Cox and Mother Cluckers. Ray of COVID Cluckers and Jennifer. We absolutely love each of these individuals and today we touch on Bumblefoot, biosecurity, and some really solid advice on basic chicken keeping. And I know y'all gonna love it. And I have attached in the show notes each of these ladies a full episode so you can go back and listen to it. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Hey y'all, I'm Mel, and you are listening to Wilma the Wonder Hen. Are you a chicken mouth loving mama or daddy? Together we'll dive into the latest poultry keeping adventures, chat about everyday life, with a generous mix of some hilarious stories. Bringing you fascinating interviews with poultry owners from all over. You'll find tips and basic advice from your local veterinarian, along with new chicken keeping gadgets and reviews. I'm going to see what Mr. Jangles and Wilma has to say about that. We're going to encourage and help you build a stronger, healthier flock. Let's go see what Mr. Jangles and Wilma is up to. Let's go let these heifers out. Hey, Ray, we are so excited to have you with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's so good to be here. Say what? Yeah, that that's not going to happen. <laughs> Do you think you'd hide your chickens somewhere, like an underground bunker? Absolutely. They, they'll just come in the house. <laughs> you can dress them up like little kids and put them in strollers. I'll put a little like thing on them as this like, support animal or something like that. Then <laughs> they won't bother me. <laughs> When you first got your chickens, what do you think the biggest challenge was? Did you read up on it before you got them? Did you just run out and get them and not even think twice and bring them back home? Um, I did a lot of research because I'm that type of person. And because we can't have roosters. And I had to find a way to make sure that I absolutely had females. So I ended up getting sex links and auto sexing birds. So that way I knew what I was getting. So that way I wouldn't have a problem. And the minute my husband saw all of the research that I'd done, like putting into like creating a brooder, all the supplies, what it was going to cost, he knew he wasn't going to be able to say no. They can never say no. No. Never. Even if he had said no, they still would have shown up. So. <laughs> and I want to get your expertise or your, your thoughts on what do you think is kind of lacking right now in the chicken community? I know that's a very big, broad question, but just from what you see, I know that your your appearance on Instagram and people look to you. Do, what do you see in our chicken community that would need some improvement? And what could mm-hmm. we do about that? I think the, the biggest thing, honestly, is everybody has an opinion and it's not necessarily a well-informed opinion. When people come to me and ask like questions about their chickens, if I don't know the answer, you know, I'm not going to sit there and give them advice. Usually my first thing is, do you have a vet? Like, uh, like don't play around with things and like experiment with, 
you know, this, that, or the other. I know everybody has their own beliefs. I'm trying to be careful here, but like, there's a lot of bad advice out there. And like, you really have to like, trust your gut on that. Like, if you're like, oh, this sounds weird, it probably is weird. And it's probably not good for your birds. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation. And I don't know if we didn't have the knowledge that we have now, maybe, or the types of medications. And also with chickens, there's a list of things that are not good for them and not just foods, but medications. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things that you can use. Let's kind of back up because I know when you said, uh, you know, ask the vet first. Well, there are cases where they can't find an avian veterinarian. And there's a lot of veterinarians that do not see chickens. Oh, yeah. I know that's true because here with Wilma, uh, we have a regular vet that we've used for years and years and years. And this regular vet saw Wilma and a few of my other chickens as they were growing up. But here recently, they didn't want, they cut that out of their practice. So we had to go to a different veterinarian that was a specialized, you know, in chickens themselves. So, you know, maybe they don't have access to a veterinarian. But I will say there are articles online written by veterinarians geared towards chicken keeping. Oh, yeah. Um, I've taken some classes through the Mm -hmm. University of Maryland. I know Penn State has a really excellent one. It's through their extension programs. Um, Another thing you can do is a lot of us have other farm animals and your farm vet should be able to like write you a basic prescription. I've been using like a lot of the Gail Damero books. Mm -hmm. I've been like reading them and she has a lot of things like how to like give dosages, what's appropriate, what's the egg withdrawal. Um, And those are things for you to probably take a look at. Like having good resources is really important. Today's guest is Marissa King. She is a veteran, a co-owner of King's Cox and the Mother Cluckers. She operates a small farm out of Sweetwater, Tennessee with her two daughters, where she works with poultry, waterfowl, goats, and honeybees. She is a freelance writer for Community Chickens, Chickens Magazine, Grit Magazine, and has been featured with the Livestock Conservancy Annual Report for her work with the Heritage Breeds. Phew, that is a lot. (laughs) Yes, it's a mouthful. Hi, Marissa. (laughs) Hey, hon. How are you? We're going to bring up some issues of biosecurity, keeping your flock safe, because there, I've seen a lot of people lately that are taking their chickens into tractor supply, and it's cute online. Uh, I've made posts, a couple of posts recently on that, and I received a lot of ugliness. So can you, from a professional chicken breeder, explain to our listeners on the importance of biosecurity within your flock? And can you give us a little bit of information on how these diseases are spread throughout your flock? Yes. So um, anytime you take your chicken off your property um, or you bring a new chicken onto the property, you need to have at least a 14-day quarantine or you void out the safety of your whole flock. And that's something I'm very big on um, because, you know, back when I was a new chicken keeper, I had mycoplasma galiseptum make its rounds. I didn't know how it got in there. I didn't know what it was. And after everything was said and done, it's traumatizing when you lose, you lose your whole flock. Um, there's no saving. Some of these diseases, they're so easily transmissible. 
and they are so deadly. Your birds are there one day and then they're gone the next. And if you have pet birds, say goodbye to your pets because it's bad. Biosecurity is your number one protection, not only for your birds, but for, you know, wild birds who fly around, for migratory birds. Um, Because if your flock has something, especially like avian flu, Newcastle disease, there was just an outbreak in California not that long ago. And I mean, it spread so in such a wide area because one, you had breeders still shipping chickens out from that area. Um, You still had people shipping eggs out from that area. And you had wild birds, they would visit one backyard flock. And then, you know, hey, they know some feeds over here. They're going to go to this other backyard flock. They're going to drop a little pile of poop. Your chicken's going to peck at it, thinking it's something to eat. And now your whole flock is infected. One bird, one bird, that's all it takes. One little pile of poop, that's all it takes. And a lot of people are like, well, what if I free range? Don't invite birds to your property. If you do invite birds, make sure it is so far away from where your chickens normally free range and roam. And that is, it's it's so important. And that's like, I'm sure you probably saw the video about the birdhouses on the chicken coop. Yes, I nearly died. Oh my Lord. Like that is so scary to me because it doesn't matter how small the bird is. It doesn't matter what kind of bird it is. It still has the possibility of carrying avian influenza, merics, fowl pox, uh, Newcastle, any of those diseases it can carry. But that's not the only reason why it's so important to have your biosecurity. Your biosecurity is there not to only protect your birds, but to protect the local wildlife population. Because if those birds get it, it's not just the wild birds that you're hurting. You're hurting Canadian geese. I don't know their scientific name right off the bat, but... Uh, You're hurting owls, you're hurting hawks, you're hurting sparrows, you're hurting fledgings, you're hurting all kinds of wildlife population because it's a domino effect. Once one of those birds gets sick, if a predator comes, like we all know, hawks are very predatory on small birds. Well, now if they have avian influenza, you just passed it to a hawk. You've just killed that hawk. You've just killed that owl. So there's equal ecological factors that we have to worry about keeping backyard flocks as well. Whew, that was a lot. But now biosecurity, kind of how I handle the biosecurity, like when people come in off the farm or come into my farm, I've got a shoe dip. And it's basically just a little, uh, it's like a little pan I got at the dollar store. You fill it with bleach or like Hibiclens. Yeah, people dip their shoes in it. And you can get like a little scrubby rug from the dollar store and place it down in there. That netting, netting's a big thing. Uh, Especially if you use like dog kennels. I use dog kennels right now as my temporary pens. Mm -hmm. Netting has been my best friend. (laughs) But keeping those bird feeders away from around your chickens, keeping bird houses away from around your chickens, that's biosecurity is step number one to keeping everything healthy. I bring this up because a guest of a previous guest, she was a new chicken keeper, and uh, she was so excited. She set up, and she raised them up, and she thought, oh, I'm going to add some more, kind of see what I can find. Well, they went to a local auction house. Oh. Yeah, she didn't know, but she had found some. She brought them home. Uh, She quarantined them, you know, a few days, and they looked fine and everything, and it wiped out her whole 
flock. Oh, it that's wiped so out bad. her existing flock. That was a lesson learned. That leads to my next question. Where would you point someone for guidelines? Would you go to the USDA guidelines? Would you go to like uh, MerrickVet.com? There's lots of resources, but where would you send them to get the information so that they can start implementing even small? I know on the USDA, it's a lot. There's like a big PDF that a lot of it has to do with industrial and things. But I think you can apply a lot of those things into your average backyard flock. The USDA and the CDC, because like the CDC goes over salmonella, which is another thing that wild birds carry. Um, They go over salmonella testing. You can always call your state vet if, you know, if you have birds dying at a very accelerated rate, you could always call your state vet and they can do a necropsy for free because they want to make sure that you're not. You don't have Newcastle, you don't have avian influenza, you don't have an outbreak of some kind that could affect the whole state. But yeah, USDA, the PDF, I, that's what I looked at. That's what I used. Um, and as new chicken owners, I think everybody goes through, hey, I didn't quarantine, I really messed up, I, I've lost everybody. Yeah. I think everybody has that point or they get that respiratory thing and it's just very small respiratory you know, their faces get swollen and then it kind of hits new chicken keepers. And it's like, oh, my God, I've got something like we need to to buffer down on biosecurity. Yeah, we've been pretty blessed here. Uh, I was very weird about, you know, people coming in our yards, even like when people would come and want to buy eggs or whatever. And I'm like, I would make sure all of that is set up way at the front of my property and not yeah. back where the coops are. I want to hear your top three tips for chicken keepers to share with our listeners to help them implement that into their flop, something that is doable. For new chicken keepers? Yeah. Research, research, research. And before you get your chicks home, make sure your brooder is set up. And once you get those chicks home, the next day start building your coop and make it a very big coop because chicken math is a very real thing and it will sneak up and just bite you. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise. Yeah. Yes, it is. And always go local. Like, I'm, I think we've all seen what's happening with the tractor supply brooders this year. Um, and it has not been pretty at all. Yeah. I, I feel the shipping distress, the stuff that those chicks go through in the very f- first few hours of life. I'm not a big fan of it, uh, myself. So always try to go local. Yeah. Go local if you can. And you know, Get a few extra roosters. It's it's good protection for the flock. Roosters are not always a bad thing unless you live in like an HOA or somewhere that doesn't allow it. Yeah, I absolutely love my roosters. I brag on them all the time. Mr. Jangles is... I like Mr. Jangles. He's like the perfect man. If he was a real man, I would marry him. <laughs> That's how Modi is. Like if Modi, if Modi was a person, I would marry Modi, hands down. Yes. And everyone talks about the ratios. Of course, you need to keep your ratios. Uh, but yeah, roosters, too many roosters is not a bad thing unless they're overbreeding your hens. It's going to provide you an extra layer of protection. Yeah. And once they get their pecking order established, you know, a lot of them are very chill birds. Do you think there are things that you would have done differently when? Could you share some of that with us? Yeah, so I would have had a biosecurity plan in place when I first started this. Um and I would have had like one big issue we had was we had our barn burn and I lost everybody but like five birds. Oh, wow. Yeah, we didn't have like an emergency plan of action. Now I do. 
Uh, but we didn't have an emergency plan in that situation. And I would just say always have a backup coop just or somewhere you can go with your birds. Um, even though ours was a fire, you know, some people are prone to tornadoes. Some people are prone to uh, hurricanes. Just always have an emergency plan in place just in case you have to take off very quickly and you want to take your birds with you. Um, just staying on top of the medical aspect of keeping your birds healthy. The first few years, I didn't do that because I didn't know what a scaly leg mite was. I didn't know what chicken lice was. Um, and I didn't deal with it until it happened. Um, so yeah, just that goes back to research. Just keep that research going. There's always something new to learn about chickens. We did test out uh, an omelet automatic door that we were sent by Omelet. We are an affiliate of Omelet USA. I will say that the heifers uh, didn't hesitate too much coming in and out of the door. Uh, we it set up really easy with the hole that we had already had um, in the barn coop. We did have to kind of make the the hole a little bit bigger. But the wires and everything hooked up very easily. We are setting up the automatic timer. And because of the lighting is changing some, we're going to adjust that as we go. But so far, the heifers are quite pleased. And it is large enough even to get Mr. Jangle's big butt out of it. We will attach our affiliate link in the show notes. We do earn a commission off of this, and any purchases are so greatly appreciative. It does help feed these crazy heifers. So, top number one tip. If you are looking at getting chickens, if you think you want six, build a coop for 12. If you think you want 12, build a coop for 24. Always double the square footage of your coop size because ultimately every chicken keeper will tell you chicken math is real. It will happen. <laughs> so build, it is build the largest coop that you can for the space that you have available. That would be my number one recommendation. Um, the When you over have an overcrowded coop and run, you're not going to have healthy chickens. You're not going to have happy chickens. And it's going to be very difficult to keep clean because there's just so much mess and it just piles up and piles up and piles up. And then that moves me into number two, be ready for poop removal because that is your new number one job. You're going to be picking up poop a lot. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're doing it in the city. If you do it in the country, I mean, I guess if you do it in the country, you get a little bit more of a, you can let some of that kind of just decompose into the environment. But if you're, if you're doing backyard chicken keeping, get ready. Cause you're going to be picking up a lot of poop. And let's see, what's the uh, number three, spend time with your birds, spend time with your birds, be prepared to spend time with your birds because you will find that the more that you know them and the more that they know you, the enrichment that you give to each other is so amazing. It's just so amazing. I love spending time with my girls. They're, who knew? I mean, I, I, chickens are cuddle bugs. I've got one that comes and tugs on the corner of my shirt when she wants me to hold her. And she will do that anytime I'm sitting doing something that's not paying attention to her. <laughs> Miss Lucy will come up and she wants to be loved on. Um, so, yeah, spend time with your birds. Watch them. 
learn their personalities. They're the most cool, amazing, honestly, in my opinion, the best pet you can actually get because what pet gives you breakfast at the same time as cuddles? I mean, there's no other, there's no other one out there that giving you breakfast. So yeah, that would be it. Yeah. And in addition to being able to identify when your chickens aren't well, they're used to you being around. So you being able to pick them up and handle them without them trying to run away and it being a huge thing, that becomes so much easier as well because they're used to being handled. So you can pick them up, look at their feet, check for Bumblefoot. Every woman who's taken antibiotics, I think, knows you're always worried about, are you going to get a yeast infection? Are you going to get this? Or are you going to get that? It's the same thing in animals. You, you don't want to use antibiotics unless you actually know that, what you're targeting and that they will actually do the job. Otherwise, you're just putting your animal through the hassle of killing all the good bacteria that lives in their gastrointestinal tracts and that they need really to be able to actually even help them heal um, and to continue to thrive. Yeah. For, for Bumblefoot, cause Agnes actually, um, when we first got her, she developed Bumblefoot quite quickly. And I realized it was because she was flying up. <laughs> Here we go. This when we had, when we first got Agnes, she's all by herself. So I would be working out in the front yard and, um, this little hen didn't want to just stay in the backyard. So she wanted to hang out with me. So inevitably I'd be working in the driveway. She'd be in the backyard. She would fly up onto the roof, walk over the roof, down into the front yard, and then come walking into the garage where I was just to hang out with me. Yeah. But she kept getting bumblefoot because she was flying up. The roof was really hot over the summertime. She was getting little cuts and whatever. And then it would, so yeah, we soaked, we, I had to look up same thing as you and I could not believe the amount of instruction out there that there is about just slice and dice your chicken's foot open. And it's not, that's, that has to be a last resort in an extreme case. That is not something that you should be doing when you don't have, I mean, if, if you have a pustule in your chicken's foot, if you're at that level, even then the most I would say would be to lance it using a very, you would have to use something sterile. You just want to get the pus out and then soak, 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 soak. Um, a lot of people will use Neosporin. I'm actually at the place where, and any medical professional will tell you at this point, Neosporin has lost its efficiency. Um, iodine is your best friend, my friend. <laughs> I, yeah. Iodine is your best friend. Yeah. So we'll soak with Epsom salts and um, then I wrap perfect with iodine. I've found an iodine ointment. That's not the liquid stuff that the actual ointment. And I like sticking that on there before I wrap it up. And I've, I've not had to lance or cut my chicken's foot open one time for a single bumble foot at this point, just using that methodology. So Please, I guess that would be a top recommendation. Please don't take a scalpel to your hen unless you know what you're doing, unless it's really warranted. Maybe even have a vet take a look at it. Send a photo, even if you can't get to a vet. Maybe find someone online who'd be willing to look at a photo and give you some recommendations. Thanks for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. The heifers just adore you. Uh, if you did find value in this, we would like it if you would share this with a friend and leave us a review. And if you don't leave us a review, I'm going to tell Hell Chicken. And what happens after that is that's just on your hands. Okay, that's your own fault. But that's it. Bye, y'all.